Easter Sunday comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Listen now for God's word to you. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't don't know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He went down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and saw it and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher, Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Another long reading. And also, if I sound a little nasally uh, this morning, I, I walked in with flowers and my allergies went off. You know how much I love outdoor services, but we brought the outside inside this morning. So, <clears throat> so there was a story not too long ago about a man in the backseat of a taxi on his way to the airport when suddenly he had a question. And so he leaned forward and he tapped the cabbie on the shoulder gently. But then the cabbie freaked out. He started swerving the car. He ended up on the sidewalk and stopped just a few feet from running into the front window of a store. Both the cabbie and the passenger sat there in stunned silence for a few moments. And and finally the cabbie spoke and said, I'm sorry, but you you scared the living daylights out of me. And the passenger in the back said, I'm sorry, I didn't know that a gentle tap on the shoulder could scare somebody so bad. No, no, I'm sorry, it's my fault, said the cabbie. See, this is my first day driving a taxi. I've been driving a hearse for the last 25 years. (laughs) Easter, that surprising, shocking story of where we find the living where we thought we were going to have the dead. That shocking, amazing, beautiful, wonderful story, the the shock that those first disciples felt must have been exponentially greater than anything that that cabbie and that little fictional story felt. 
As we enter into John's story this morning, the way he tells the story to us is that while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene makes her way to the tomb. That while it was still dark, she gets up and she leaves the house where she's staying with the 11 other disciples and goes to the place where she had buried Jesus along with some others. But it was no small act of courage in those days for her to leave the house just a few days after Jesus had been crucified. Uh, The other 11 disciples had locked the door trying to hide themselves away, afraid of the authorities, afraid of them finding out who they were. Their Galilean accents gave them away. It already happened once before. Peter was sitting in the courtyard of the high priest during Jesus' trial, and the servants gathered there, recognized Peter by his his accent. But, But Mary couldn't stay in the house anymore. She had to go and be at the place where Jesus was. Jesus, the rabbi, her rabbi, the one that she and so many others believe was the Messiah, God's anointed one, the one who is going to make all things new, he was dead. And so Mary makes her way to the tomb. And I imagine that the events of the the past three days affected everybody, but I think they affected Mary in a unique way. See, Mary had met Jesus while her world was still dark, that she is described in the Bible as someone who was suffering from demonic possession. So we can understand her to be someone going through a a psychological, spiritual, and mental crisis. But while it was still dark, Jesus found her. While it was still dark, light came bursting in, and she got a new lease on life, a new start in life. And Mary didn't just fade into obscurity after Jesus healed her. She involved herself in his life and in his ministry. Uh, She's described as being one of the the benefactors of Jesus' ministry. But she wasn't just someone who wrote the check, right? She wasn't just someone who could get her name on a plaque on the building edition. I think that Mary was a disciple of Jesus, one of his followers, maybe not one of the, the inner twelve but someone who committed herself to to following Jesus and to to emulating his life. And so she was with him. She was there to to bring light to other people who experienced the darkness just as, as she had. But just as it seemed like Jesus' ministry would continue to gain momentum, that nothing could stop it, Jesus took that fateful ride into Jerusalem, which we read last week, And Mary is there as Jesus makes his way into the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays and she's there as the the authorities come and they arrest him and they take him away. She's there as as the the high council in the Jewish temple as they put Jesus on trial. She she hears the, the kangaroo court, the false witnesses, the false charges. She's there as as Jesus is brought before Pilate and the sentence is handed down that Jesus is to be crucified. And Mary doesn't leave Jesus' side, even as he walks his way to the cross. That she's there with that small company of women standing there at the foot, standing there in Jesus' own moment of personal darkness. That just as Jesus had found her in her moment of darkness, she's there with Jesus in his. And so she's there in that moment as the light goes out in Jesus' life. And so she makes her way to the tomb while it's still dark. And I, and I imagine she goes there for the reasons why any of us go to the burial places of those we love. We, we go because we're in grief. We go because we want some sense of closure. 
We go, I think, sometimes because we want to experience and feel that lingering presence of the ones that we love. And so I imagine that, that Mary goes, hoping that sitting outside the tomb, sitting with her back against the rock that's laid in front of the entrance, that the light might come bursting into the darkness once again. But of course, as she makes her way to the tomb, as she gets just within eyesight of the tomb, she sees a, a shocking sight. The stone has been rolled away, and when she looks in, the, the body of Jesus isn't there. But Mary's first thought isn't, oh, Jesus has been raised, happy Easter, Christ is risen, and the, whole, the disciples respond, he's risen indeed, right? Her first thought is, no, somebody has stolen the body. Some horrible mistake has happened. Some horrible accident has happened. There's recently a story about a, a bank in Binghampton, New York, that wanted to congratulate one of their uh, business partners on recently expanding their business. They had moved into a new building, and so they, they, they arranged for the florist to send them a card with some flowers. And, but the business partner opened up the, uh, the card, and it said, with our deepest sympathy. And the, and the florist was greatly embarrassed, didn't understand how this could have happened, and then he went about his day. But it was halfway through his day that he realized somewhere at some funeral, somebody was opening a card that said, congratulations on your new location. <laughs> it's Easter, so you get two dad jokes. <laughs> and you still laugh. What does that say about you all? <laughs> That's what Mary thinks. Mary thinks there's some horrible mistake has happened. And so this horrible mistake, her thought that someone has stolen the body, causes, uh, causes Mary's grief to spill over into tears and into weeping. And there, while it was still dark, Mary cries. And Mary's tears are the tears of, of all who have experienced the darkness that life can sometimes throw away. That her tears are the tears of all who have lost the ones that they love. Her tears are the tears uh, of all who have seen truth and justice trample, trampled down by the powers that be, the empires of history. Mary weeps. And she looks into the tomb one last time, and this time she sees two angels sitting there, and, and they say to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she says, they've taken my Lord, I don't know where they've placed him. Think about that. Mary is seeing angels, but she's in so much grief, she doesn't even bat an eye. She just, it's common for her to talk to angels, apparently. And then a voice comes in the darkness. A voice comes. A voice that she should have recognized. A voice that she had heard countless times before. And the voice says, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And Mary thinks it's the gardener. And she says, sir, if you've taken the body away, just tell me where it is, and I won't report to you or anything like that. Just, just tell me where it is so I can go bring him back here. But while it was still dark, while the tears flowed from her eyes, Jesus speaks her name, Mary. One of my preaching heroes, a man named Tom Long, tells a story about a, a young girl named Mary Ann Bird. Uh, Mary Ann was born with a cleft palate. Uh, one of her legs was shorter than the other, so she walked with a limp. Um, and so she fell victim to a lot of the school-age bullying that happens. You know, people would say, did you cut your lip? Uh, why do you walk like a duck? Mary Ann lived in a dark world. But then one year, Mary Ann had a teacher named Miss Leonard. 
And back in those days, the, the teachers had to administer a sort of homespun hearing test uh, where the, the student would cover one ear, the teacher would whisper something into the other ear, something simple like the sky is blue or you have new, uh, new shoes today. Well, this was another uh, source of, of stress for Marianne because she was also deaf in one ear, and it just became another opportunity for her to fall victim to the bullying that so often befell her. And so her turn ca came for that hearing test. She walked to the front, and she covered up her deaf ear. And then Miss Leonard whispered something into her ear that would change her life forever. She said, I wish you were my little girl, Marianne. And in that moment, Marianne heard the voice of Jesus, and it changed her life forever. She herself became a school teacher, and she treats her students with the same love and grace that Miss Leonard did for her, all because she heard the voice of Jesus saying her name through a middle-aged school teacher, Marianne. And there in the garden, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene hears Jesus speak her name, that gentle whisper of his voice saying her name, Mary. And she turns around and Jesus is alive. She shouts out Rabunai and she goes to, to cling on to him. How could he be alive and yet here he is? It's not just that Jesus is alive. It's not just that his body walks out of the tomb. That's an uh, amazing enough thing, but it's the fact that all of him is alive. All of who Jesus was walks out of the tomb and it's calling to Mary. His love, his justice, his compassion, his grace, all of it is resurrected on that first Easter Sunday. And it calls to Mary. God's new future, God's good future has burst forth right there in the present. God's good future where every tear is wiped away, where every sorrow is taken away, where all people are welcomed around the table. It happens right there. It bursts forth right into the present. The soft, gentle whisper of his name spoken while it was still dark. Can you hear it? Can you hear it in those places where you're sitting at the tomb and you think that life is just a series of cause and effect and, and the risen Christ, that gentle whisper of his name says that we don't live in a world of cause and effect, but what is given to us is possibility and imagination. Can you hear him speaking to you, gently whispering and calling out to you in those moments where you want to be your own worst enemy and saying that there is grace and there is love and you are accepted as you are? Can you hear the, the gentle whisper of his voice in those moments where you want to cling tightly to the resentments of the past and he invites you into a place of forgiveness? Can you hear him calling to you as you stand in those places where the empires of history seem to have trampled down truth and justice and he whispers to us, calls to us and says, I was just a seed and they can't kill me. They can just bury me and then I, I burst forth. And that seed is now planted in each and every one of our hearts. That God's good future, that the light now lives in each and every one of us, just as we, like Mary, run from this moment and bring God's good future all around us. That soft, gentle, whispered call of the risen Christ, spoken while the world is still dark. Can you hear it? Happy Easter to you all. Amen. <laughs>